Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week's topic comes from one of the moms in our mommy mentorship program who posted a question in our private Facebook group asking what one piece of advice would everyone give their new mom self? We had so many fantastic pieces of advice that we asked the ladies if we could share their little tidbits of information with you. And they all thought it was a wonderful idea and agreed to it. So we have a two-part episode. This is part one of two, where we share the things that the ladies in our group wish they knew before they became a mom. If you are looking for a non-judgmental, safe place to talk with other moms, we would invite you to join us as well. You can go to mommymentorship.com and just click to join us because we would love to have you as part of our group. Without further ado, here's the episode. Now, Amanda, when the amount of information and the tips and just like the self-awareness of the comments that we got in this group was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And they always say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And so it was a really good question. And it it was really good for our pregnant moms in our group to see these answers so that they kind of know what to expect uh, once they deliver. Yeah. And so uh, our first response came from a member and it was about wake windows. She commented and said that she would have definitely taught herself about wake windows for newborns and infants. They had some really challenging, difficult days and weeks at the very beginning where their baby was getting way too much sleep during the day and would be up for all hours at the night or not getting enough sleep during the day. And it was just throwing out of whack. And she really wished that she had become aware of wake windows. I think it's pretty common for new moms to experience this because there's such a big learning curve, especially at the very beginning when you bring home a newborn and there's lots of little tiny things like awake windows that you don't realize happen unless someone has already kind of forewarned you about it. Yeah. Like, and you know what, actually a a number of our moms chimed in and, you know, also said that they wish that they knew about wake windows. Um, They totally agreed with her. And I will say that when I had Freya, wake window was not a phrase or a concept that I had was aware of at all. 
I had no idea what a wake window was or what it did or what it meant. I didn't really know either, to be honest with you, but there was a nurse at the hospital when I had the boys who put me on a schedule. And so she had kind of scheduled me what this like the first few weeks should look like. And because she had done that, it made me look into what the next schedule should look like. And I know like in our mentorship program, we actually give kind of sample schedules and it was the schedules that helped me figure out when they should be awake and when they should be sleeping. So I, I didn't actually know about awake windows, but because that nurse had put me on a schedule and I know I'm very scheduled. And so a schedule worked really well for me. Some people like to just go with the flow and that's also okay. You do what works for you. Um, so I, I actually did end up putting them on a schedule that had awake windows. I just didn't realize it. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. I was put on a schedule from the hospital and those wake windows. Now I know like hindsight 2020, like I know I now see that there were wake windows built into it. And like, well, with Freya, especially because of her prematurity, she really had no wake windows. Her, her life was eat and sleep. Right. So, but that was built into our schedule of she's not to be awake. You know, she's not to have awake windows until she meets her due date. And, um, And another one of our moms in the conversation of wake windows, she agreed and said that she didn't realize how really short the wake windows are because they really, they really are like, you know, a newborn, you know, their wake windows are what we would probably view without understanding it is too short. But the reality is like, 40 minutes max, like 45 minutes, you're, you know, that baby needs to go back to is, you know, they say ideally a wake window is no longer than 45 minutes at the, at the beginning in the first few, few months. And so, um, or sorry, the first few weeks. And so, you know, that is something adjusting your mindset that a baby doesn't need to be awake all the time, right? That sleeping really is important. And those wake windows are key. And when you figure those out, man, it's kind of a game changer, isn't it? Well, they say eat, sleep, poop. And that is kind of how it is, right? Because when they're awake, they're like eating and stuff. And yeah, kind of is really eat, sleep, poop for the first little bit. And then it, it shifts as it does like every few months with a new baby, everything's shifting, right? Like I always joke, just when you get the hang of something, it changes all over again with oh, a yeah. baby. that is the reality of your first year of motherhood right you're like yes I've got this and then you're like oh my gosh this is happening now I don't got this (laughs) Uh, uh, no you're so like it's so true because you're like yes I get into groove and you're like oh I don't know what's happening (laughs) oh my gosh a teeth a a tooth is coming in oh my gosh it's a, a leap oh my gosh they're they're crawling or walking or yeah and uh, like along with this conversation of wake windows, another one of our moms said like she didn't realize that, you know, one of the big reasons for her baby was fussing was, you know, being awake for too long and being overstimulated. And she just wanted to be swaddled and rocked to like and just be held because she was the comfort zone. And she actually had this amazing 
um, phrasing that she picked. And I'm going to read it verbatim because like really, it really like, it made me tear up when I read it, but it like, it just really hit my heart. And I was, I just like, I love this phrasing is that uh, she said it's um, keeping her world small for now is important and is what is needed. And that really is true. When you have a newborn, keeping their world, their world small and intimate is, is important. And so I really loved that her phrasing there. Yeah. Because a newborn had such a small world and now it's in such a big world. Right. So you kind of do have to keep it small and cozy and then it kind of grows with the baby. So on to our next piece of advice that we received from one of our moms is that she underestimated or she underestimated the power of walking uh, and just walking. Walking is just good for your your body, but it's also good for your mind and your soul, right? Like, especially if you take a walk outside, right? And I think as a new mom, like when you have this teeny tiny baby and there's not a whole heck of a lot that you can do. Um, and with COVID, you probably don't want to take the baby out, like going for a walk around the block, even if it's the dead of winter, we live in Canada. So, you know, lots of snow, like I know, with my kids, like I took them for walks all the time. I just bundled them properly. And that was kind of my little escape. Right. And, it, you know, it's, it calms you down, it kind of centers you, it gives you that, that fresh air and that time outside. And yeah, I think it, it's super valuable. Yeah. And, you know, our mom even references, uh, you know, during her pregnancy, she was very nervous about you know the future and pregnancy and she said that a walk would help calm her so right you you had mentioned that you know it's good for your mind it's good for your body because it does walking serves you know multiple purposes and during pregnancy this walking just helped her relax and calm her down she developed pregnancy sci sciatica and she said if she she figured out that if she kept walking and she walked about um, like, you know, 10,000 to 15,000 steps a day, she was able to kind of keep it at bay, right? So she was walking regularly, it helped her sciatica that she developed in pregnancy, she had a C section. And she was after her C section, she was up doing laps around the ward. And that was kind of a blessing for her because she delivered during COVID, and she was able to get, you know, moving and was able to get home a little bit earlier. And just a side note, she had a different kind of C-section than the old-fashioned C-section. And I had the old-fashioned C-section. Um, so, like, you couldn't get up and just start walking around with the old-fashioned kind. Because, trust me, I went for a walk around our big block probably a week and a half afterwards, and I was kind of regretting that. But um, we're going to actually, we're going to have her on the podcast to talk about her C-section just because it was, like, a new kind of C-section. So... It's yes. just a side note in case someone has an old fashioned kind. Yeah, you know, that is a very good point of reference to put it because you're right. There is a big difference between those types of C-sections. Um, and it was also to, you know, it's OK to go slow. We live in a life, uh, you know, we live life in, in a society that's so fast paced. So go, go, go. And just walking is OK to slow yourself down uh physically mentally and it can just be really restorative so um walking can be very powerful in your pregnancy as well as in those early days of 
recovery in the fourth trimester. Yeah. And I think it's really healthy for your baby, like newborn or like as the baby ages to get out into nature. Right. Because I, I remember when the, the kids were babies, like just pointing, this was obviously when they were a little bit older, but like pointing at birds or, you know, um, they, they'd smile when they'd see the trees, the leaves on the trees blowing. Right. Like it's kind of neat to see a baby's reaction to the world around it. And maybe not when they're brand, brand new, but you know, once they're, you know, a little bit older and they're reacting to things, it's, it's really neat to see. Yeah. Well, you know what, it's actually, but even when they're really, really new, it is very nice to get out. And it just, you know, when you're kind of in that real, like essentially the trenches of postpartum of, you know, your recovery and it's just so good to get some fresh air on your face, on your body, like get some sunlight, even if it's in the middle of winter and it's cloudy, right? Like depending on where you live, it doesn't have to be hot, sunny, warm sun, but just getting yourself out of the house can, you know, just reset your brain and your, just your whole perspective. Because in those early days of being a mom and, you know, recovering, it's very you know, constant, it's very draining. And sometimes it's just like this breath of literal fresh air, just to get yourself out of the house, even for five minutes, even with or without your baby, right? If you need that, those five minutes or those 10 minute walk, just to give yourself some time alone, that is totally okay. And it is important to be able to get yourself out and just kind of reset yourself. I know for me, um, you mentioned, you know, getting yourself out of the house without your baby. For me, sometimes it'd be just taking the dog for a walk, right? Leaving the baby at home with my husband or my parents or somebody else. And then like taking the dog for a walk just to get out and do something that was, you know, in, in nature, but also away from the babies uh, where I knew that they were safe and I wasn't gone long. And taking the dog for a walk is something I used to do before I had kids. So it was one of the few things that I was still doing after I had kids, if that makes sense. So it kind of, you know, was a piece of me that I, I enjoyed doing pre-kids that I was also doing post, post having the babies. Yeah. And you know what, like this, that type of stuff of like getting fresh air and just like the power of the natural environment is something that's called ecotherapy, right? And some people might've heard the term like forest bathing. Uh, have you ever heard that? No, I haven't. No, you've never heard of forest bathing. So forest no. bathing is like, a, it's, it comes from Japan and it's there. It was a way that they, um, it was like to get yourself in a meditative, you go out and the power of nature and just the quiet and the refresh of nature and the benefits of being out and kind of being aware of your surroundings in the natural environment has just how good it was for you know your mental health well that's interesting so yeah you should go for what did you call it uh forest bathing yeah forest bath yeah forest bath with your with your baby there you go <laughs> so the next tip was actually from me <laughs> in our list we're just we're going down the list and i was the the next comment so one of the things that um 
stumped me early on was um, needing to change nipple sizes. And this is because my kids were bottle fed. And there were a couple really horrible nights where we couldn't figure out why, why Cooper was crying as we were feeding them. And then we figured out that we had to change the nipple size. So luckily we figured it out within a couple of days, but I know other people who took a lot longer to figure that one out. And uh, it's really, really horrible when your kid's screaming and you're trying to feed it and you don't know what the problem is. Yeah. I uh, obviously like with Freya, in the early, in the beginning, she was breastfed pump and then bottle fed pumped and also had formula at varying degrees within the first six weeks or eight weeks of her, her life. So, um, yeah, the, the nipple is a, is a tough one because it, it like your, your baby's needs change so quickly and there's a lot of frustration when they're receiving bot like when the milk isn't or the formula isn't coming out fast enough like yeah it, it, they're, they're frustrated and it's it's horrible like they're just crying and they're red in the face and yeah it's not a nice experience for anybody no and you were definitely not the only one like we had a had a couple moms who agreed with you on that and said yeah they definitely had that experience uh, a couple of times where it just kind of hit them and they're like, oh, we need to change the bottle size. Yeah, it's funny. I always tell people now just to go out and buy the bottle sizes at a time. Like the, because you just buy the nipples separately, right? So yeah. at least then you have one set of nipples on hand to see if you need to change them, right? Because like I think it's newborn, then zero to three, then three to six, and then six month plus is kind of the general sizing. It depends on the brand of bottle though. But um, yeah, there's like th at least three, if not four different types of nipples per type of bottle. And a lot of people don't realize that. And then they can't figure out, you know, why their kid is not wanting to eat and is just screaming. So yeah, not fun to go through. No. Especially, if it, it, especially since... You know, it's one of those things that could be avoided, but people don't talk about it. So you don't necessarily know about it. Yeah. Your tip about having a couple of sizes on hand, like just be prepared for that is a really good one because once you realize it, it could be, you can very easily just be like, oh, let me just go in the cupboard and I'll get one. Yeah. And then if not, you're, you're left kind of scrambling, right? You, you just have to go out and get one, but. Yeah, it's just more convenient if you have it on hand just to try and see if that's the problem, if they're at the age where they're going to be switching soon, right? Um, so our next one actually has to do with communication. And obviously people are, you know, you might think, well, a newborn can't communicate, but actually they can. And it's really important to kind of learn those communication cues and to really understand what your baby is showing and that is totally about obviously not verbal communication although crying is communication but um and is verbal but it would be um it's a lot more physical communication at this newborn age and you know feeding cues and hunger cues are a huge one and it's something that is a massive learning curve for a lot of people is just trying to figure out 
why is my baby crying? Or what does, you know, what does it look, what does a hungry baby look like? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if your baby is breastfed or bottle fed, there's going to be hunger cues either way. Yeah, absolutely. So like, you know, holding, making fists, holding them to their mouth. Um, if you are breastfeeding, I don't know if a, do bottle, like formula fed babies do like rooting and like, you know, kind of head placing their head to their chest and kind of rooting around. Do, do the boys do that? Uh, they did a little bit. Uh, they're probably their biggest one would have been uh, trying to eat their fists. Yeah. Right. And same with Caroline. That was kind of like their big cue was they'd be trying to eat their fists. And obviously then crying is probably is like the most urgent of like, I am starving, you need to feed me now. But it's something that isn't often actually, I don't know, is it taught? I I I learned it in the hospital from the nurses in with Freya. Like they I don't remember learning it anywhere else. Did you? I read a lot of twin stuff and there was this one really good twin book and I think she talked about it a little bit yeah yeah so I think I did know what the cues were uh I read everything I could get my hands on <laughs> so I, I learned a lot of things I did not learn about the the nipples <laughs> but I I uh I do remember that one and then the nurse at the hospital um told me that there's kind of like the three main reasons why babies cry right and I remember her going over that with me um like check diaper check to see if they're hungry and check to see if they're tired right mm -hmm. are kind of the three main reasons why a baby would cry and uh that I remember Keith and I would always kind of do that check first when they were crying and then we would like do like a environmental check to see if there was something else wrong in the environment that was bothering them right maybe their clothes were too tight or i know um sometimes you can get hairs wrapped around uh the baby's feet and stuff right or, or their toes so, we had we had yeah that had that and i felt terrible she had been so upset for so long and it was like we couldn't figure out what was wrong and then stripped her down and there she was she had a hair that had been like was wrapped around one of her toes and like she was in pain and I had no idea like because it was she was wearing a footed a footed jammy and there's one of my hairs that had fallen out of my head and wrapped it around her toe and you know I, but, I felt terrible but it's super common like that does happen you're not the only person I don't know that that's happened to yeah but it was um, like, I, I didn't even think to look at okay after that I definitely do look at their toes a lot um and, you know, with Finn, I also check, I will, like, there has been times where I've checked Finn and like taken his diaper and found my hair, you know, in his diaper. So it's always worth if you have a boy to check if mm. there's any hair wrapped around a penis as well, or, in, you know, um, because hair gets everywhere. Because I definitely have found hair on, like my hair fallen out and wrapped in the diaper of Finn. I was like, oh, God, I yeah. don't want that to happen to you. Well, yeah. And of course, your hair is falling out because you're postpartum, right? Yeah. And we've talked about that in other episodes. 
Um, but I know like the one night Caroline was like screaming and I couldn't figure out, it took me a while to figure out what was wrong with her. She was too cold. Oh, uh, right? yes. Yes. That's a common one. Either too hot or too cold. Right. Like en- environmental. That's why Keith and I always say, okay, what's, what's going on around them? If that's not the reason why they're crying. So yeah, that's one of the cues, right? Like they can't talk. So they're trying to tell you what's, what the problem is. Yeah. And you had mentioned, you know, like check for a dirty diaper, check if they're hungry, check if they're tired. You kind of go in that order, like dirty diaper first, try feeding and then try sleeping. And if that doesn't work, then move to the environmental pieces as well. One of our moms actually continued on with this conversation and she had said that, um, you know, you always hear like you'll know, learn your babies, the different the different cries and the meaning behind the different cries of your baby. Um, And she was like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, that's kind of crazy that, you know, there's different cries that your baby has different cries, but she's, she said like, it is so true. She had no idea like that it would be possible, but within a first, like a few weeks, you figure it out and you know, the different tone of cries of your baby. Yeah. Like it's, kind of crazy when you think about it but yeah you do you kind of get used to your baby and you know after the first little bit you're learning who they are and they're learning who you are and yeah you do kind of figure out what your baby needs based on how they're acting or crying or yeah yeah it takes time but you do get there yeah sure thank you for listening to this episode of that pregnancy podcast If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.